got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Today we sing the praises of December 23rd, although it's not a holiday per se. It's just the day that is the day before the day before the day that is the best day in the world. All right. It is the, as I said, the day before the day. Did I get that right? Day before the day? No, the day before the day before. Because tomorrow is the day before. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Christmas is on Saturday and we are on Thursday. We won't have a show tomorrow. As you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk here, Mark Johnson with Adam Dravetta. So no show tomorrow, but we will uh, hopefully give you something a little extra for the weekend here. And uh, we'll be back on Monday. So uh, not that far of a turnaround from us. Uh, KU, no game this weekend, but the Chiefs have a big one. And the Chiefs can actually clinch a playoff spot or even the division this weekend. Now, the division a little less likely. If the Chiefs just win, they clinch a playoff spot. They can also clinch with ties and like uh, weird results from other teams. So I don't even want to get into that. But just if you win, you clinch a playoff spot. As far as the division, it's it it's pretty much heavily in favor of the Chiefs. They very much have the um, front foot ahead of the Chargers right now with two After games the up. win over the Chargers, Pro, po- yeah. pro Football Focus had it at 96 or 97%. Yeah. So, so it's probably going to happen unless weird things happen, which I guess you could say weird things are happening right now with I, all these players I said on Monday I, I was willing to officially declare it a, a massive catastrophe if they don't wind up winning. The I would agree with that. Um, but this is what happens for them to officially clinch it this week. They would need a win, and then they would need the Chargers to either lose or tie and here's the problem. The Chargers play at Houston this week. So that's probably not going to happen this week. And he, the Houston Texans are taking a page out of the Houston Astros book from about uh, nine years ago and tanking. It well, seems. I, is, I don't know that they're doing it on purpose. But no, I don't think they If they, they were, they were doing a good job of it. I, uh, I wonder what's going to happen with their head coach because it was a disaster but also you hired him knowing you were going to tank this anyway uh Chiefs and the Steelers is that game on Sunday it's an afternoon game for the Chiefs and I think the first part as we try to diagnose this game is is trying to figure out what the Chiefs will even look like because as of now we don't really know everybody that's going to be on the field and unfortunately the fact that this is our last show of the week on a Thursday we have one last day to try to help figure that out. But there were no, at least the report I saw from Ian Rappaport, no new positives today. And I think the only positive yesterday, Rappaport said no new positives yesterday, but there was a conflicting report that said Mike Remmers tested positive yesterday. I saw also conflicting report. I saw he tested positive yesterday, but I also saw it was somewhat irrelevant because he was already on IR. Okay, so maybe that's maybe that's why. Maybe Rappaport was just referring to active players. Maybe it was just a, a syntax thing. Um 
But the point is, the last two days, you haven't really started to rack them up. In fact, you're starting to see some guys come back. Go in the right direction. Um, I don't think we've seen officially if Chris Jones has been he was, active. Yeah, he, he was. Pra- he practiced today. Okay, yes. practiced today. Um, Josh Gordon uh, was activated as well. Charvarius Ward, this is a big one, because Charvarius Ward was part of the group who tested positive on Monday. Willie Gay also back. Uh, yes. The same day as yeah, Josh Will, Gordon. Yeah. He was the same as the, that first group. Yeah. Um, but Charvarius Ward was a Monday positive test and the new rules that they have were that if you just have one negative test and you are vaccinated you are good to go as long as you're not symptomatic correct yeah which i'm sorry i I don't like that just because i i just feel like and we're going the wrong direction here i I, and so just allow me this tangent i think it 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 it's it goes back to the old concussion rules it 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 encourages people to lie and i don't Anyway, yeah, but whatever. No, that's it's not great, and yeah. Um, but anyway, that's what they are. And Charvarius Ward is now clear because he tested negative on the test. In addition to saying he doesn't have symptoms. Oh, stuff. so wait, he um, did have to take a negative. test. Yeah, you do. Oh, have to test. then never mind. Yeah, okay, yeah. I misunderstood. My apologies. Then I thought it was you just. No. Okay, no, then never mind. I no, I'm, it's both. So I mean, you still have to say. Yeah, like, you still I don't do have to. have to. You you are potentially lying, mm-hmm. but at least there is something tangible in a right. negative test. And, okay, and those tests could be. That's that's uh, what I think is is more nerve wracking. The fact that it's just one test because yeah. we've seen tests be right or wrong. So with two tests, you would have more evidence. But it is what it is. So Traverius Ward is active and good to go. And the other players who were in that group with Traverius Ward. That was when, like Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. had had their positive tests. So obviously everybody's case is different, and it, it is just dependent when you finally test negative. And it doesn't sound like they've done that yet. But the fact that we saw Traverius Ward do that on, on Monday probably has to give you a little bit more hope yeah. that those other guys are are going to make it by the time we get to Sunday. Now, who knows how prepared, how um, I guess in shape and in game shape, how. Uh, practice they are for the game, but obviously it's a lot better to have them than not have them. It's just at this point we don't really know who is and who's not going to play. And his media availability today, um, uh, not Dave Tobe, the the defensive coordinator. Why am I slipping on his name? Uh, Steve Spagnolo. Steve Spagnolo. Thank you. Uh, Spagnolo said that uh, he felt uh, he his I can't remember his exact wording, but along the lines of Chris Jones. Um, he said they're, they're going to ramp up their reps a little more tomorrow. They kind of had limited reps today in these players that are just coming back because they haven't been super active over the last few days. Uh, so they didn't want to just throw them to the wolves right away. They wanted to boost them up a little bit. Um, so he said he liked what he saw out of the limited reps, but they're going to be getting more reps tomorrow. Okay. Uh, also worth noting, this is not COVID. This is uh, a, another story altogether and also a, a terrible story, but Legarius Sneed, who obviously was dealing with some awful things, he's also back. Yeah. So, and that was that was different. Like, yeah, you that said, was right? non-COVID. That, was, that had nothing I think to do his with brother COVID. Or yeah, somebody brother passed away. Been, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he is. He missed the last couple games, and he is back now. So you're you're getting back to at least a, a full defense on that side of the ball. Um, but if one or both of of Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, even though that is encouraging. You still don't know. Like he, you know, both of them might not t- have a negative test till Monday or something. And if one or both of them miss the game, that's got to be monumental because you're playing a Steelers defense that they've actually been bad against the run as, as a pass coverage unit. They're fine as far as the coverage itself, but overall they are a good pass defense because they have an elite pass rush, and uh, that's mostly thanks to to T.J. Watt and Cameron Hayward. I mean. T.J. Watt, in games that he plays the full game, so games that he either, I guess, games that he missed 
or games that he was forced out during the game due to injury. They're 0-3-1. and Games that, that didn't happen where he played basically the full game, 7-3. and And they're also 6-1 and when T.J. Watt has more than one sack. He is a game changer. He's a game wrecker. He has 17 sacks. He's only played in, I want to say, 10 or 11 games this year. He missed a couple games. Um, he's unbelievable. So if you don't have, for an offense that, although it's it's been better here uh, in the Chargers game, in the two Raiders games, an offense that isn't quite what it was, you know, from what we were used to at the beginning of the Patrick Mahomes era, and you have that offense, what we've seen now, against a good defense, and now you would be missing for a team that we've already questioned they need another uh, receiving target out yeah. there besides Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Now, if you're without one of them or without both of them, I think that is probably the most worrisome part of this game. And adding more to that, if because of a good pass rush, the 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 way the best way, you know, aside from a a great offensive line, but even if you have a great offensive line, if you've got a team with a great pass rush, you want to get rid of the ball very quickly, and that's harder to do with receivers you don't trust as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that. That's gonna and and in in the way they run offense, Ben Roethlisberger has is not been good in these last few years. Um, I don't even know if he played last year. Was that the year he was out, or was that the year before? Either way, he's he's toward the end of his career, and he hasn't been very good lately. And their offense plays in such a way they are so good. Like if there was going to be, I, I could see this b- game being scored very similarly to. Um, the the Packers game with Jordan Love 13 to 7 13 to 10 and oh by the way if it's 13 to 13 with 20 seconds left and you've got the ball on the 40 yard line you have a kicker you just signed off somebody's practice squad yeah that's so problematic. there's a lot going on with this game I I would feel if the Chiefs were able to get a defensive touchdown in this game I would feel so much better yeah I, j- I just worry about what the offense is going to be able to muster up and and put up but I will say this in in regards to the offense. I mentioned the Steelers is as good of a pass rush as they have. They're not a good run defense. In fact, they are 32nd in the NFL, last in the NFL in rushing yards per attempt allowed. And the big question to me becomes a couple things because we know the Chiefs have a really good run blocking offensive line. You invested a first round pick in a running back, so you should have talent there. Um, the and question I, to me becomes, how patient are you willing to be? That's been a question all year long, and I think they've done a pretty good job of late, uh, of late being patient, but also they've been patient in terms of the passing game. Can you be patient and just say, hey, we're cool just running the ball down your throat all game long? Because so far, the Steelers have been abhorrent against the run this season, and this feels like an opportunity for me, especially if you are missing one or both of Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill, that you have to establish the run in this game. Yeah, and and what are, are they going to be able to continue to do that? Even if they, I mean, if you're down seven nothing, are you going to get a little too giddy and 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 lose? You know, you lose that patience. Um, that's, I don't know. I, I think I, I really like obviously a layer. Clyde Edwards Elaire has been good, and I really like what we've seen out of Gore, um, and then um, Williams. Um, I, I like what we've seen out of the the, the run, running backs that they've shown. I don't think, you know, the the weather situation had so much to do with why the Patriots did what they did against Buffalo, so I don't think it would be that extreme. But I do think you have to be okay with a game in which Patrick Mahomes goes 19 of 24 for 202 yards and you do most of your work on the ground. You, you know, you have yeah. to be okay with something like that if it gets you the win. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and are they... 
you know, I, I, I hope, but I don't, I don't know. It's weird because, you know, more, normally a lot of a lot of places are complaining that their offensive play caller doesn't pass enough. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're hoping they run a little more mm-hmm. sp- just this week. But I, I don't know. Andy Reid's a smart guy. Um, they were willing to do it against Buffalo last year in the regular season. So maybe. Yeah. So I, I do have worries about the offensive side of the ball this week. But the good news is that you should be okay on the other end. The Steelers offense doesn't scare you at all. And the Chiefs' biggest weakness defensively, just statistically, they are 29th in rush yards allowed per attempt. But here's the good news. Pittsburgh is 30th in rushing yards per attempt offensively. Um, in the passing game, Big Ben is weathered. He's not very good anymore. They don't have a very good offensive line. I'm kind of thinking, like you said, this is going to be a low-scoring game. You said 13-6, 13-13 late in the game. So I think I like the Chiefs to win, but it's also impossible for me to fully get bearings on this game until we actually know on probably Saturday or Sunday like who all the bodies are going to be. Yeah. And that's that's obviously a big if, which that's scary because the Steelers are a good enough team. I mean, they've beaten the Bills. They beat the Titans last week. Like, they are a good enough team. If you're not fully healthy or you don't execute your game plan, they will beat you. Like, they are good enough to do that. But also, if you do execute your game plan, they have so many deficiencies in a lot of areas that you shouldn't have a problem. Yeah, they have. I mean, look, they have a Hall of Fame coach mm-hmm. on their sideline. As do Never the had a losing record. A, yeah, he, Mike Tomlin is a, is a fantastic coach, um, but there's only so much. Any good coach, and I think Mike Tomlin would also admit this, any good coach will say that the the, the old saying, Jimmys and Joes are X's and O's, and the, the players matter way more than what a coach can accomplish. And so as 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 talented as Mike Tomlin is as a coach, uh, there's only so much he can do with the talent he has. And the Chiefs, at full strength, uh, have much more talent. The problem is, like you just said, we're not going to know. You know, there's a, there's a chance they won't be at full strength, and we won't know if they will. Maybe till till tomorrow or till Saturday. Um, and and he's a good enough coach, man, that he he can devise a game plan that it makes it look ugly. This could look a lot like a '90s. Bill Cower versus Marty Schottenheimer <laughs> Steelers versus versus Chiefs mm-hmm. game, um, and, and look if the Chiefs get out of, out of there with a win, sweet. We're not going to come in on Monday griping about God. Ah, well, it was ugly. It's not you know if they win this this weekend, we're going to feel good. Um, but it's just it it feels so much more important now that they're in the one seed slot. Like that really matters. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. There's so much pressure on it. Uh, And we'll talk more about that one-seed race coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. But coming up next, I will give my top 10 best Christmas treats. C.J. Moore joins us in about 20 minutes from right now. Michael Swain joins us at 440 with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, depending on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. CJ Moore joins the show in about 15 minutes from right now. Derek Johnson with Adam Dravetta. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Also, Michael Swain will join us at 440 of 24-7 Scott Chasen's excited about that one. He just tweeted about it. Mm. He's stoked about that appearance. Yeah, has the uh, old Scott Chasen job. Scott Chasen protege, 
I guess would be the way of putting it. All right, later in the show, we're going to do our top 10 worst Christmas treats. But let's start out with something more positive. It'll be the top 10 best Christmas treats. Yummy. Do you have a favorite before we get started on the list? This won't impact uh, the list. It's already made. Well, it, the, like, it, are we just going like just treats or... I guess I'll go because I'm separating desserts from treats. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love the the chocolate peanut clusters. Um, those are amazing. I used to work at a furniture store in a small town, and the la- there was some lady who went to high school with the owner. And they, they were both in like their sixties, um, and she every year around Christmas brought this platter of amazing homemade peanut clusters. Not on the list. Into the list now. Number ten. Number ten. Reindeer chow. Some people call it like puppy chow. Okay, or... so it's the, is it the same thing? Yeah, it's the same okay, thing. Okay, then yes, I love that. It's just like, oh, well, it's Christmas. It's the chocolate, reindeer chow, peanut right? butter, and it's... I don't know what's in it, but it's, it's like it's Chex cho- Mix. It's, it's, and, well, yeah. the, the coating is um, peanut butter and chocolate melted, of course, and then topped off with of powdered sugar. You want to talk about yeah. an all-time texture food. Oh, great. It's the perfect mm-hmm. texture. Really, Chex Mix in general has perfect texture. Yeah. So yeah, that texture with something sweet, yeah, give it to me. Yeah, reindeer chow is delicious, and it's easy to munch on. You just put it in a bowl. You know, everybody's gonna gonna eat it. It's it's good. Um, it's not something that you're going to, you know, just want to make it your entire dessert. You have speak for yourself. Well, but see, I I wouldn't want to just like it's it's more of a snack food to me. That's it's like a good it's point. like chips. You, it's yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. not gonna have chips for a meal. I'm gonna try another. That's food. fair. That's fair. Number nine. Ninth on the list. Rum cake or rum balls. Some people, uh, basically, they're it's the rum cake. It's just like cake pops, but they make them into balls. Those are good, too. Um, rum cake is really good. Have you ever had rum cake? No, you're going to have to take the reins on this one, man, because I've never... I've heard of it, but I've never had it. Is that a Christmas bun? Uh, take the reins? Well, it wasn't intentionally, but sure. Um, but no, I... No, you, you take this one because I've, I've never had that. <laughs> rum cake, uh, really good. I, I don't really know what goes into it. Obviously, rum goes into it. But basically, what, what happens is you get this, like, rum sugary coating on it. And it's just like a fluffy, light cake. It, it tastes good. I, I don't know what else to say about it. It's, it's a good cake. Number eight. Toffee. So I actually thought about putting this one on the worst for a second because <laughs> the problem. <laughs> well, I, here's the thing. Toffee, I think, is delicious how it tastes. Um, but sometimes it's a little too much on your teeth. It's you're cracking it and it's getting stuck in your teeth and everything. It is I'm sure a dentist's worst nightmare as or far as their best Christmas best food. friend. That's true. On That's vacation. true. Yeah. So enjoy your toffee and go That's check right. out the uh, Kansas Sedation Dentistry. Yeah, they're they're gonna give you as you get like your your little toothbrush and, and mini toothpaste on the way out. They're like, and eat all this toffee. And here's too. a ton of toffee. And we know you'll be back in a month. We'll see you in a week. <laughs> <laughs> but toffee tastes really good. Um, it is delicious. I, I like toffee. I don't know what else. I can to take say. it or leave it. Okay. Number seven. Uh, honestly, I, I thought about making this just barks in general but i think peppermint bark to me is the best of all the barks if we're talking christmas yeah yeah um i yeah i like it it's kind of like um if we're talking about the same stuff it's it's kind of the consistency of of a chocolate yes but it tastes like peppermint and and it's good i i you want to talk about something i won't have very much of but if you give me a square and and i'm i'm holding up an an amount that none of you listeners can see Mm -hmm. but about the size of if you put about about six stamps worth 
of peppermint bark, and you give me that, I'll really enjoy yeah, that. Yeah, it's good. Um, that's the thing. With anything peppermint flavored, you can't just eat a bunch of it necessarily. Um, but with the peppermint bark, you get the chocolate flavor. You get the. It, it's like a more fancy, better version of an Andy's mint, but you also get the, the little texture pieces on top. It's yeah. really good. Um, barks in general are just really good. I, I'm not a big fan of. I don't. I don't know if peanut brittle is is considered bark. I don't know. I I don't like peanut butter. That's yeah. That's not my cup of tea. But peppermint bark. David Drovetta, the man who sired me, uh, loves peanut brittle. Okay. Uh, I did not get that from him. Yeah, not my cup of tea. Either. Number six. Sixth best Christmas treat: flavored popcorn in the popcorn tubs. You know, you get the popcorn tubs. A lot of them are, have the uh, kind of trifold in the middle that separate. You have the regular popcorn. You have the caramel popcorn. You have the um, Usually cheese popcorn, cheddar, or cinnamon yeah. is the third one. Um, cinnamon. Some people get like you know. Some people get like chocolate covered popcorn. All that's good, but I'm specifically saying the flavored popcorn. So regular I'll, popcorn. That's another story. I'll mix the cheddar with uh, pretzels, especially if you can get me some pretzel sticks. Okay. I'll put pretzel sticks in a bowl with the cheddar popcorn. That's a really good combo. Um, I hate caramel corn. That is so I do weird. not like caramel corn at all. I have never met somebody. Who does not like caramel corn? And I also I was appreciate. Twenty six, I hated pancakes, so I don't like. There's weird foods. So weird. I, I kind of am odd. With I certain... also appreciate that you say caramel. I say caramel. Ah, you say pecan. I say pecan. I so caramel. I'm way more consistent mm. with pecan. I I oh, you I said pecan that time. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I'll I'll go. I don't and I don't even do it on purpose. <laughs> I like when I say Wichita and Topica and Alitha. I'm I know how those towns are actually pronounced, so that's intentional. But with pecan or pecan, I don't even choose it. It's just <laughs> I fl- I, I'm very fluid with how I pronounce that. Caramel, I'm very consistent with. Um, I'm consistent in how I pronounce caramel, and I'm consistent in the fact that I hate caramel corn. Um, a lot of people like yeah. see. I that's my favorite of all the. I guess it depends what mood. If you're in a salty or sweet mood, a lot of people will do the thing where they just like forget the divider between the uh, caramel corn and the cheddar. Well, that's the whole idea behind, it's not cheddar, but it's the whole idea behind uh, Cracker Jacks. You have the salty peanuts with the caramel corn. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, uh, flavored popcorn, specifically the flavored part of it, in at number six. Number five. Into the top five we go, Gingerbread Man. Now, I think this is a controversial one, because I think a lot of people have had Gingerbread Man, and they're the stale, gin- they've been sitting out. Like or ginger they're just- snaps. Yeah, they're exactly. They're like ginger snaps, where it's everything snaps off, everything's crunchy, if you have a good gingerbread man, 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 woman, I don't know, whatever, um, it's it's not like that. It's like a cookie. You get the softness. You get the chewy part of it, and you get the little frosting on it or whatever the decoration is, some chocolate chips, and it is delicious. If you get a gingerbread man made right, top five. I've had a gingerbread man with the consistent th- consistency that you just described, and I still didn't like it. Really? Uh, it's just that it's, so I like and that's ginger- interesting because you like the kind of pumpkin spice, which is very yeah, similar. but yeah, yeah, it's it's a fall spice. It's definitely an, an autumny, wintry spice, and I just don't uh, I don't care for it. Mm. I like ginger in. Um, the only time I really enjoy ginger is pickled ginger that they give you with sushi. But that is very different from a gingerbread. Yeah, man. yeah. Number four, fudge. Uh, fudge oh, is yeah. just delicious all time. I mean, this is a really all time dessert. Lady who helped the year. lady who helped raise me. Uh, her name's Jan. They were they were next door neighbors with us growing up, uh, and she helped raise me. It, it, impeccable fudge. She put you know desserts are always good made with love. That woman put so much love into her no bake cookies and her fudge. Get out of here. I thought about putting. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. Um. Anyway, but fudge delicious. I don't know if you've ever had like. 
peanut butter fudge. Yeah, oh, too. yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is to die yeah, for. Rocky Road fudge. You ever had that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so many different great flavors of fudge. I don't know how much of fudge is Christmas specific. So that it might always have knocked was, it, it a bit. See, I, I always knew fudge to be one of those things that friends brought by around Christmas time with their annual mm-hmm. Christmas card. Yeah. So I, I always associate it with Christmas. Fudge is delicious, though. Yeah. Number three. Number three, Christmas cookies. So this is what I was going to say. You mentioned the no-bake Christmas cookies. I thought about making that its own category, but I just decided Christmas cookies as a whole. There's so many different types of Christmas cookies. The no-bake cookies. You have the little, uh, people call them different things, the peanut butter kiss cookies where they're the small peanut yeah, butter yeah, cookies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love kiss. those. Those are really good. Um, just sugar cookies in general. A lot of times people will make sugar cookies in the holiday season or yeah. you can make a cookie that looks like Santa or something. How about just chocolate chip cookies for Santa Claus yeah. with milk? My sister makes these, and don't forget the carrots for the reindeer. Mm. Um, my sister makes sugar cookies for, for multiple holidays, and she makes her own uh, it's her own cookie recipe, but also she makes her own frosting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's no wonder I'm humongous. I have so <laughs> many people in my life that are great cooks. Uh, we, yeah. So Christmas cookies, great. They're easy to snack on. Delicious dessert. There's so many flavors of them. That is number three. Number two. Honestly, for some people, that's probably the number one. So that might be uh, a little controversial in at number three. But number two, white chocolate covered things. Now, again, this is kind of like Christmas cookies. It is a wide encompassing category. But white chocolate covered things. Here are some things that get covered in white chocolate over the course of the Christmas season. Pretzels. White chocolate covered pretzels. Delicious. Um, have you ever had the, during Halloween, they call them like, uh, I think booze or something like that. Not like B-O-O-Z-E, but B-O-O apostrophe S. Um, during the, like the noise a ghost makes. Yeah. Yeah. During the, uh, the Christmas season, you take a nutter butter, you cover it in white chocolate. Put little eyes on it. You put little eyes on it, make it a snowman. They're called like snowmen by some people. Ghosts. It's called white chocolate covered nutter butters. They're delicious. You could do white chocolate covered strawberries. I mentioned the popcorn. Some people do, uh, I, I've seen like zebra popcorn where it's white chocolate covered uh, popcorn and then they drizzle like the, the, just the regular chocolate on top of it. White chocolate is a very sweet type of chocolate. So you can't have too much of it. It gets oversweet sometimes, but white chocolate covered things for me, it's, hey, you know, white Christmas. And it is delicious during the Christmas season. Also, something I can take or leave is white chocolate. I don't oh hate it, but I think it's just oh, it's fine. Oh, get out of here. I'm telling you, if you have one of those snowmen, you'll never go back. All right. Number one. That's specifically probably why it was number two. Number one on the list, though, and it, this is one that, I don't know, maybe it shouldn't even be number one because I don't know how many people know what this is. It's actually boiled human feet. That is not correct. <laughs> peanut butter balls is the number one. Have you, Are you ever talking had like Buckeyes? I don't know. They so could are, be called Buckeyes. Dip, dipped in chocolate? Yeah, so it's yeah, basically okay. just a ball of peanut butter. Yeah. Some people will use crunchy peanut butter. Some people use creamy peanut butter. Yep. Some people will put, this is what my mom used to do. She would put like little rice krispies in there. Yeah, I've had those too. Crispy. Yeah. You have the crispy with the peanut butter. It's a ball, and it's just covered in chocolate. So a lot of people- you can't get better than that. A lot of those will call, people will call those Buckeyes, because if you okay. see a Buckeye seed, mm-hmm. um, it looks just like it. Kind of peanut butter colored in the middle, surrounded by- brown or black on the outside so a lot of people call those buckeyes okay. i have had those and yes they're delicious the buckeyes peanut butter balls whatever you want to call them yeah so good the chocolate Buc- melting buckeyes, mouth, i'll say are specific butter. to the non-rice crispy mm-hmm. ones 
Okay. So B- Buckeyes are just the peanut butter and chocolate with no Rice Krispies. And, but yes, in general, whether, whether Rice Krispies or not, those things are good. I'm actually going to go make some tomorrow um, before we go up to the in-laws. So uh, I will be picking out on those. That is the top 10 best Christmas treats. Let us know what your favorite Christmas treat is at RCST 1320. We'll do the worst Christmas treats in the 5 o'clock hour. But coming up next, CJ Moore of The Athletic. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST. FM 1017 and three. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening in on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN and KLWN.com. Joined now by CJ Moore of The Athletic. And CJ just wrote a really good piece in The Athletic, which discusses KU's defensive woes, I guess you could call them, um, early on. And the main aspect of what has caused that, which is kind of the ball switching for KU and lazy switching, as, as Bill Self would call it. Uh, how, how correctable do you think the defensive issues that KU is showing right now are moving forward the rest of the season? I think it's mostly correctable stuff because it's just uh, attention to detail slash, um, you know, playing with more energy, more effort. And I think that, you know, some of his teams, he will say um, maybe 2018, maybe this year, they get in a rut where they can score so easily and they can kind of outscore people that maybe they, they lay back on the defensive end a little bit. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing. There are some maybe issues with how small they've played in the backcourt and, you know, a team being able to attack that, which Stephen F. Austin was able to very wisely attack that. But the teams that play a power forward who can post up these days are, are kind of rare. So I don't know that that's going to be an issue all the time, but it's definitely something they'll want to address. And, um, you know, they have the, the flexibility with their size uh, or with their depth to, to play some bigger lineups. Um, but mostly, like I said, it's just attention to detail slash playing with more energy, more want to, um, you know, Sal's biggest frustration is them switching sometimes when they don't have to. And um, that, that stuff can be corrected. What do you think would be more likely um, going ahead? Obviously, I'd imagine they're going to try to just iron things out that way and, and keep doing what they're doing. But if I were to tell you there were to be a change, what do you think would be more likely? KU going to a defense where they're not switching anymore and they're just basically trying to work through every ball screen or um, going to the dreaded Z word for Bill Self, more zone? <laughs> Uh, I, I think you'll see them switch less often, although they're still going to switch. Like, everybody switches some. Um, I had one coach text me today that, uh, you know, he doesn't let his he, – he switches in games, but he doesn't let his team switch in practice. And Bill Self has done stuff like that in the past. Um, so, you know, they're not going to quit switching everything, but I could see them uh, maybe going through a stretch of games where they don't switch as much. And maybe, switch, you know, maybe there's a game where he says, okay, no switching. You know, just to create that mentality of, hey, we're going to be tough. We're going to get through some, some stuff. But um, will he play his own at some point? Maybe. You know, he always busted out every once in a while. Um, he, he'll bust out a junk defense. He's not afraid to do that. But as far as can you ever go into, like, exclusively zone, I would be shocked to see that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, like, the, the whole ball screen action things, we've, we heard that term a lot a couple years ago with Yudok Azubuki, the the icing of ball screens, so to speak. And I think um, that kind of became popular in college basketball with, I don't know, maybe Chris Beard. I don't know if he was the one who started it or just the one who made it popular, but 
Uh, certainly in Big 12 country, it felt like, at least to me, that's kind of where it resonated the most at first. Um, what's kind of the, uh, I guess, view of that from KU? Are they doing similar things defensively uh, this year to what they've done in, in years past, what they did last year? Uh, what are some things yeah. you're seeing from the defense just kind of overall? Yeah, they're, they're still icing any ball screen that's on the side of the floor, um, which basically is when, you know, when there's a big man involved and it's on the, on the side of the floor, the, the big man's trying to force the ball towards the baseline and, and not let it get back middle. And, and they're still doing that. Um, you know, a lot of these exchanges that I'm talking about are happening more in the middle of the floor or maybe guard to guard type actions. Um, so, you know, it's maybe switching some of that less. But defensively, they're playing pretty similar to how they've played in the past. Um, they're maybe just not executing stuff as, as well as they have. And, you know, a big, a big part of it that I don't really talk about too much in the article, and I think it could be a whole other story, is they've got to get David McCormick playing more minutes. I, I think he's a big part of their defense, and their their defense is better when he's on the floor. He's not a Yudoka as a bouquet level um, rim protector or intimidator, but he get, does give a little bit of intimidation at the rim, which, you know, they don't have as much as that when, when Mitch's life puts out there. So I think they need to get to a point where McCormick's up playing, you know, close to 25 minutes a game, um, which is he's capable of. He just has, you know, had his either foul problems or, um, you know, he's, he hasn't been playing as well, so self will pull him. Um, they, th- that's probably the biggest thing is they need to get him right here soon. Well, it's weird because Dewan Harris is known as, as a really good defender, and, and he is, and he gets steals and can be a pest on the ball. But also, on, on the flip side of that, is there like a, I guess, a ceiling of how good this defense can be when you have two lead guards who are both smaller guys on the floor? Like, is that, uh, I guess, something that they're just going to have to work around all season long? Yeah, it can be a problem sometimes specifically against certain matchups like it was against Steam F. Austin. Um, you know, the nice thing for Kansas is they don't have to play those two dudes all the time together. Um, I, I think Jalen Wilson will see his minutes increase as the season progresses, and maybe it cuts into DeWan Harris's minutes a little bit. Um, but, you know, self trusts him a lot. And he, when you watch the, you know, when you rewatch a lot of these games, I'll go back and do. He is in the right spaces and, and um, right right spots where you know Remy Martin always isn't, and I think that's part of the Bill Self's frustration with Remy Martin. It's not just offensive stuff; it's defensive stuff sometimes too. Um, but he should get better as the season progresses, and they can do some stuff to hide those guys. And part of the switching is to keep them out of the paint. Um, but as I hit on in the story, you know, sometimes they can stay out on the perimeter and you can still pick on them then if, um, you know, just by having a bigger player make the interior pass. Yeah, uh, we're talking with C.J. Moore of The Athletic here on RCST. Uh, one thing I'm curious about, and I've kind of had this philosoph- or philosophical uh, debate on the show over the months and weeks and stuff. At this point in time, obviously, KU has an elite offense, and, and we're questioning the defense. Last year was kind of the inverse of this. By the time you reached March Madness, you had one of the best defenses in the country, but the offense left a little bit something to be desired there. Um, what do you think is a is a better kind of path to success in the NCAA tournament in March? Is it having uh, kind of what this team is, or would it be the path of, of last year? And, and what would you rather have? I guess both in March and at this point in the season. Yeah, I think whether you'd have an elite offense or elite defense. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you prefer to have both. <laughs> right, right. 
usually a team that wins the national championship has both. Um, I think that Kansas can get, you know, the, the, the rule of thumb has become, you got to have a top 20 offense. You got to have a top 20 defense to, to win the national title. It's, it's, it's almost year in and year out. That's, that's what happens. Um, so, you know, can Kansas get up to maybe that 20 range, top 20 range, 20 to 15 range? Yeah, I, I think they can. As, as I lay out in the story, like they've had vast improvements from pre-Christmas to end of season before on the defensive end. Uh, but offensively, I'm pretty confident this is going to be a top 10, top five offense all year. But you, I'm, I'm dodging your question. What, what, what would you prefer to have? I guess, I guess maybe the offense, but it's it's tough. I, I mean, I, I think you're uh, you could flip a coin on that one because um, you know obviously it pays to be really 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 elite on one of the floor, but it pays even more to to have both. All right, I got a good one for you here. What do you think is the better unit, KU's offense or Baylor's defense? That's that's a good question. Um, I'll give Baylor's defense just a slight edge, but uh, that's pretty close. And, and if you're debating who's better, KU or or Baylor, um, the way I've kind of been, you know, wrapping my head around it is, all right, KU's got the better offense, right? Baylor's got the better defense. So what's better, Baylor's offense or KU's defense? Mm. Right now I'd say Baylor's offense is better than KU's defense. Maybe that can change eventually. Uh, but that's why, you know, if I'm ranking the teams right now, um, I think you have to probably put Baylor ahead of Kansas because um, Baylor's, Elite, elite on defense, and pretty darn good on offense too. Um, so I think you know, right now Baylor has the more complete team um, when you're comparing the two, and I think Bill Self would probably agree with that assessment. Yeah, I'm really excited to see that matchup uh, coming up in the year. Um, just kind of sticking in the Big Twelve talk uh, before the season. I know you released your your Big Twelve predictions, and, and you and some other uh, members of the athletic and, and preseason conference picks for the All Conference team and everything. If you could get a mulligan right now as we are about a week away from heading into Big 12 play, uh, would there be anything you would change of either your prediction of a team or of where a player's at, what a preseason or or what a first or second team would look like, anything like that? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm actually going to take that mulligan, and those will be out next week, um, at least on the, the team prediction side. Um, I, I think that uh, Iowa State's going to be up a little higher than you know. I had them ninth. I didn't have them last, so you got to give me a little credit there, right? <laughs> yep. Most most people in our poll um, of local media, you know, around the Big Twelve, had Iowa State last. So uh, I did. I did at least have them ninth, but uh, I think you got to bump them up. They're the, they're the biggest mover. Other than that, um, I don't think there's been anything too shocking in the league. But uh, yeah, I think you know, obviously Iowa State's much better. Um, are they second, third, fourth? I'm not sure they're that high, but um, T.J. Osterberger has done a tremendous job there, and, and, and they're the biggest surprise, I think, in college basketball, not just in the Big 12. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of think they're super sustainable because I watch them play. I mean, their guard play is really good, and they've got some, some dudes there, and Tristan Anaruna kind of takes over um, inside as, as he has a couple games now this year when he's played enough minutes. I, uh, I'm really impressed with what Iowa State has done so far. I think if we were giving the, I don't know, I, I don't want to say biggest disappointment because I, I think it's just a, a wait-and-see thing. It just takes time when you have this many really good players come in, uh, in the situation that Texas has. Um, so do you think if you were ranking the, the top three in the Big 12 right now, would 
Texas still be in in the top three for you? Uh, can, can can I answer next week? Because I want to. <laughs> uh, I've I've watched Texas some, uh, not as much as I'd like. You know, um, I did miss the Seton Hall game. That's one I really want to go back and watch. But um, yeah, I had Texas third in the preseason. Um, you know, a lot of people had them second. Some had them first. Um, I have not been overly impressed with Texas from what I've seen. Um, now that's a team that should get better because, like you said, they had so many new pieces. But, hey, Iowa State had a lot of new pieces, and they're looking pretty good already. So um, I, I'm probably going to keep Texas three. Um, but I think Iowa State, Texas Tech, uh, those are teams that you could consider in that spot as well. Okay, if you had to put together, and, and feel free to take this for an article if you want, but um, an all-fun team in the Big 12. So it doesn't necessarily mean the best players, but the most fun. So like last year, I don't know if Mac McClung was one of the five best players in the Big 12, but he might be on the, the most fun team because um, he just was fun to watch. So does anyone come to mind if you had to put together that team as we're getting ready to start Big 12 play and, and we're going to be watching some more basketball and trying to pick and choose which games or players to watch? Oh man, most fun. Uh, you know, maybe Tanner Groves. He's fun. Got the got the beard. K fans remember him. Um, he, he he'd be up there. I think he's a fun player. Um, golly, who who else would I put up there? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm probably gonna you know side with the the the, the best players are usually pretty fun to watch. So you know, I love to watch some Smochai this season. Um, you know, basically all the dudes on, on Baylor are pretty, pretty fun to watch because they're pretty darn good. So uh, I'd, I'd have to think about that one. Maybe, maybe I can give you a better answer another time. You caught me off guard there. But there's not one that, like, man, like just really, really stands out of, as an obvious answer that maybe is not the best player in the league. All right, we're talking with C.J. Moore of The Athletic here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Before we let you go, my producer and co-host, we do a little segment at the end of the show called One Last Thing with Adam. Adam, go for it. All right, CJ, one last thing. If you could change the outcome of any sporting event that does not involve a team you cheer for or that team's rival, so just you're totally neutral on it, you can change the outcome of any sporting event, what would it be? Oh, man, change the outcome of any sporting event. Um Let's see. You know, I, I hate Syracuse. So can Syracuse what lose? Like, well, it, the, it's, uh, it can't be anybody. 2003 semifinals. It, it can't be anybody that you. I guess. I guess technically that doesn't count as a rival. So maybe I'll give you that one. So you, you give Texas over the the edge over Syracuse yeah, in 03? Yeah. So we get. Yeah. Plus, that would be so much fun to have TJ Ford. Uh, Nick Collison in the national championship game well, against each other. That that got uh, Collison a standing O from yeah. Dick Vitale in the regular season. Yeah, yeah. Let's get let's get the replay off. Oh, I, I mean, this is a great answer right, right here. <laughs> Texas, Kansas, two thousand three national championship game. I'd I'd uh, I'd pay to be able to go back in time and watch that. That would be something because in 02, the Big Twelve had a shot at an All Big Twelve national title with KU and That'd OU. Be pretty- and they That'd both be lost. Good too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, I would love to be able to uh, see that too. Because Hollis, speaking of like, go back to to his all, all fun question. Um, Hollis Price is one of my favorite all time Big Twelve players. Um, not not maybe the greatest, although he's up there. I mean, he ranks really, really high. 
But, uh, man, Hollis Price was so much fun. My biggest and, memory uh, of that Hollis Price OU team was KU was on this stretch where it's like, okay, they're going to score 95 or 100 just forever for the rest of the season. Uh -huh. And then they played OU and Kemper in the Big 12 title game and scored like 58. That that Kelvin Sampson defense was amazing. Yeah, he's still, he's still talking about that. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's proud of that one. And uh, Hollis is on his staff now, and, and uh, it's always one of my favorite things to be able to see. I, I kind of like turned back into a, a um, high schooler um, loving on Hollis Price. So I, I kind of fanboy out whenever I see Hollis. Well, here's C.J. Moore. Check out all his great work in The Athletic. Uh, they're always running specials. You can probably gift it to somebody for the holiday season right now. C.J., thank you so much for the time as always, man. Uh, uh, there will be a special running next week, we I go. think. So if, uh, if, if you want a discounted price, I'm pretty sure one's coming out next week. There we go. Perfect. Right before. All right. Meeting. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thanks, CJ. See you. All right. That was CJ Moore of The Athletic joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. With Adam Dravada, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening in on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. One hour down, two to go. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. About 20 till 5, you're listening to RCST. This is KLWN. Derek Johnson with Adam Dravetta, and joined now by an old friend, Michael Swain of 24-7 Sports, Fog.net. So Michael used to work with Scott at Fog.net, 24-7 Sports, and then he uh, got a gig doing kind of the same thing for Iowa State. We had him on earlier this year when we were previewing. He did a wonderful investigative piece about what the hell kind of cyclone has a bird head on top of it. <laughs> Well, Cyclones would be one of the best mascots in the Big 12 if it was a mascot fight. But um, had him on to preview Iowa State, and now he's back working with uh, Fog.net. So, Michael, um, coming back to Lawrence and everything, is there is there a restaurant, is there a place that you've missed most in Lawrence that you're excited to uh, get back to? Ooh, I think my favorite place is 715 in Lawrence. That's somewhere in, when I was a student at KU. And any time my parents came to town, I made sure – that was one of the spots that we hit. So that's one of the places when uh, I'm back after spending some time in California for the holidays. That's one of the first places I'll be going to have a dinner. Yeah, that is a good spot. Good Italian food. Good everything um, there at 715. Um, okay, so uh, KU football offered this Michael Shanahan kid who is an offensive lineman in the transfer portal uh, at Tennessee Martin. So in just kind of your conversations around and, and doing research on this kid and everything, uh, what's to like about Michael Shanahan, and, and what do you think KU's chances are? Do you think they have good chances at landing this kid? Yeah, I think so. We'll have to see. The, the weird part about kind of where we're at in this transfer portal process right now is these guys can't go visit schools right now, and they won't be able to visit schools until January 14th when the uh, dead period ends. So it's a little bit of a holding pattern now where I think for someone like Michael Shanahan, who has picked up some more Power 5 interest here, as of late, you know, things can change between now and January when he's going to try and take those visits before he kind of decides on a school. But, you know, if KU does decide to kind of make him a priority, bring him on campus, he's someone that has kind of a, 
an athletic background. Um, played baseball in high school, really was a, a defensive end, kind of tight end, and then switched to offensive line when he got to college and was an FCS All-American in his first season starting a left tackle. So he wants to go somewhere where he can make an impact, start right away. Um, we'll have to see kind of for Kansas, you know, it, you know, Earl Bostic, if he comes back and then you've got another tackle spot there, maybe open, uh, depending on what the staff wants to do. So I think he's someone that, you know, a lot can change between now and mid-January, but, you know, if he comes on campus, then that's a pretty good indication that, that KU wants to get him. Well, I guess, do you view him then as, I know you mentioned Earl Bostic, and, and we're still waiting on decisions from, I don't know, 10, 12 guys who are seniors and could graduate or could come back. So I don't know if it's all dependent on, on something like that, but is that kind of the read that you're getting that he would be kind of uh, insurance to potentially losing Earl Bostic? Maybe. I think so, because I think you've got to like what you saw from someone like Bryce Calvado, you know, a little bit when he got his playing time this season, you know, long-term, he's one of the younger guys in the program. So you can expect him to make some strides under Scott Fuchs. And I think that for someone like Shanahan, I do think it's one of these things where if Bostic decides not to come back, maybe they really do push super hard for him. But I do think that even if you can get Shanahan, I think you can, um, just because you played at a high level, the FCS level, of course, stepping up to Power 5 football will be a jump, but he seems to have kind of the measurables and the ability that a staff like KU can work with in terms of just getting his technique down and helping him improve in that regard. But I do feel good about someone like Earl Boston coming back. Obviously, a lot can change between now and when the guys arrive back on campus in January, but I think he's one that you know you feel pretty good about at the left, or the, yeah, the left tackle spot if Boston comes back. Yeah, I think the uh, offensive line clearly is being a, a point of emphasis for this team this offseason. Um, obviously, they had a lot of improvement over the course of the season, but um, you obviously want to keep adding to it because it's still not a complete product. And uh, I just think it's interesting at the very least that they would you know, have enough interest in this kid and that there is something coming out of it after they already added a transfer offensive lineman from Buffalo it just it seems to me like maybe that offensive line is is being uh pegged as a, a pretty big point of emphasis oh 100 percent. I mean how could it not be after kind of what happened there towards the end of the season where you've got basically you know Jason Bean gets hurt then you're down to basically you know one maybe two running backs so yeah I think offensive line's a big point of emphasis and you mentioned the Buffalo transfer um, I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name because I'm going to butcher it but Nolan um, he's someone that I think you can look at more as like a long-term option at tackle because it's with the transfer portal these days like he's someone that redshirted in 2021 so he has four years to play four and so you can think of him a little bit like a high school signee in terms of his eligibility remaining so they are really trying to bolster that offensive line room and i think when you look at what they want to do in terms of running the football um and protecting guys like jalen daniels or jason bean whoever starts next season i mean that's got to be a high priority because if you can keep your quarterback clean create running lanes for guys like devin neal and then morrison uh from nebraska i think you have to feel pretty good about what the offense could end up doing so right now, five transfers have been added on for KU, and seems like definitely more to come, a pretty good amount, I'd assume. But right now, for the five that they have in tow, um, which one or maybe a couple do you think kind of fit in the best with KU for at least the 2022 squad? Yeah, I think out of the five, four of them are really in line to have a role next year. I think you look at Eric Gilliard, 
the UCF transfer at linebacker. He's going to add depth there with Rich Miller and Gavin Potter playing the mic spot. So now you're looking at instead of Rich Miller playing, you know, 80 snaps a game, maybe he's playing, you know, 45. And then you've got someone like Gilliard who can come in and spell him and keep everyone fresh so that when you get into the fourth quarter of these games, and as we saw sometimes last season, that the guys just got gassed on defense. So now you're adding more depth. Guys that coaching staff can trust to kind of plug in there throughout the course of the game and not really fear of having a huge drop-off. I think someone like Craig Young could also have a real big impact. Uh, he's coming from Ohio State, and he seems like he's going to play the outside linebacker position that you saw Nate Betts play at times last season. He's someone that has a lot of high-end potential, really athletic guy. Um, he's about 6'3", you know, 220 around that frame. So he's a super high-end guy. I think he could probably end up starting at that outside linebacker spot. And then, of course, Kalen Gervin uh, coming from Michigan State. Scott Oligo, um, the assistant coach who is worked in the recruiting department, worked at Michigan State with Gervin, got an in-person evaluation during his year overlap with him. Um, they brought him on. Seems like he's on track to be a, a starter if he makes it to campus. And so... I think you're looking at each one of these guys within their own roles that can really end up making an impact, I think, outside of really the offensive linemen they brought in. And then, of course, you got Sevion Morrison, who coming out of high school is a four-star recruit, really talented running back. And now you're looking at pairing him with Devin Neal, where I kind of compared it to our VIP subscribers of looking at what Baylor did with their running backs this year. You know, guys like Tristan Ebner and having two running backs that can each have really prolific seasons just based on how much you run the ball and the creative ways you can kind of fit them into the offense. And with more coming in that transfer portal for KU, I know we just talked about the offensive line being a point of emphasis, but uh, are there any positions or areas that you think uh, KU is still trying to kind of emphasize in adding via the portal? Yeah, yeah, I think the big one's going to be defensive end, right? You lose Kyron Johnson, you lose Stephen Parker, and I think you really need to find a defensive end that can help you create pass rush because I think at times if Kyron Johnson wasn't out there, you know, Kay didn't really have a bunch of guys that can go and rush the quarterback and create pressure that way. So I think the defensive end is going to be the real big priority. Um, we'll have to kind of see, again, like who they bring on campus that first kind of 10-day period there between January 14th and January 24th when the final enrolling date for classes ends. Um, but I do think that you're looking at defensive end really being the big priority just based on the attrition and the need to fill kind of a, a pass-rushing need. When we look at your site at 24-7, the, the recruiting rankings, um, KU at one point was number five. I think they're number seven now, at least that's, that's what it was when I checked this morning. Um, so what do you know what goes into that with your, your site's transfer rankings? Is it based on, um, I guess, what they were in high school? Is it, is it based on a, a new ranking or a recruiting value or something based on what they did in college? Uh, what, I guess, went into to KU having such a high team recruiting ranking for uh, transfers? Yeah, so, and not to geek out too much here, but um, we do give them a, a transfer rating. So they take, we've got some of our guys that do the high school ratings. They will look at these guys coming into the transfer portal, and the guys that end up going to, you know, Power Five schools like Kansas, they get a look, and then they get assigned a transfer rating. So if you go onto the commits page uh, for 24 7 sports for Kansas, you'll see that, you know, you've got guys like Craig Young, Sevion Morrison, both of them are rated as an 87, which we kind of compare to being someone that can be an impactful starter at the Power 5 level. Um, someone like Kalen Gervin's in 86, just a tick below that. And then you've got guys like Gilliard and then uh, Nolan from Buffalo as well, who are kind of in the low 80s, who are more 
guys that can start, you know, and fill a role, but maybe aren't don't have like the high end potential. So it's really just a combination then of taking those ratings and then using the same formula with the curve that we use for the high school ratings and then putting that together. So I think it's interesting. It's cool that I think you've got this different way now to rate and evaluate the transfers because the transfer portal has become such a hot commodity. Yeah, it really has. And I think it's cool that you guys have have added that. I think it's cool that you guys have uh, put together the overall team rankings where it's combining uh, the high school class and that. And and obviously for KU, it's, it's a bit of an incomplete right now because of the fact that like you look at a lot of these other schools and it might be 16 or 21 commits or something right now, whereas KU just has the 11 between the two of them. Um, so as we're looking forward to the rest of the offseason here for football, I mean, how much do you think using the portal can impact a, a team right away in football? And I'm curious, um, when you were covering Iowa State, how much, because I guess you could probably draw some parallels to what KU is trying to build, to what Matt Campbell has done at Iowa State. So how much... Um, have they kind of used the transfer portal over the last couple of years, even though that might not be the most congruent comparison since this is more of a new thing? Yeah, for sure. So I think, at least from an Iowa State perspective, they didn't use it a bunch. Um, it was really more just spots. Got to fill, you need a wide receiver, great, go get one. You need a safety, go get one. It's not like KU here where it's not necessarily a roster overhaul, but you're really trying to balance out a roster that at this point has a lot of underclassmen because they have the COVID year, because the last miles went so high school heavy to try and balance out those scholarship numbers that you're looking at KU now really trying to add veteran talent that can kind of start right away so that those younger guys have time to develop and not get kind of thrown into the fire, which can maybe stunt that development. So I think for KU, you're looking at them really looking for guys that can fill roles um, and fill needs where I think for Iowa State, it's more one-offs. And even Iowa State has not had much success with their transfer portal, at least in my 18 months there. I think they added two or three guys and really struggled to make an impact with those guys. But I think KU, it seems like they've decided that, hey, we've got some positions of need that we need to replace kind of veteran talent. So let's go ahead and add guys via the transfer portal and then kind of even out those those roster numbers here so that you can get to that 85 and then consistently maintain that, uh, which will be the first time in a long, long time that KU's been able to do that. We're talking with Michael Swain of 24-7 Sports, Fog.net. We're also getting ready to head into Big 12 play on the basketball court. Um, Iowa State, team you've been covering, is having quite the breakout year after winning just two games all of last year. Uh, do you think they have a legit shot at a top three finish in the conference? And, and how do you think they stack up to where uh, what KU and Baylor are projected to be at the top of the league? Yeah, I think what I've been kind of saying is I think it's going to be a, a top three in the league of a, you know KU, Baylor, and then I think Texas will, once Chris Beard kind of figures out that roster, they'll be kind of at the top of the conference as well. I think with Iowa State, it's just about how their offense is because you know I've written about it a little bit when I was on the Iowa State beat, but they really have taken this kind of Houston Rockets, Daryl Morey approach to basketball where they are really not shooting any mid-range shots. It's all three-pointers, all shots at the rim. And the only guy that is shooting mid-range is Isaiah Brockington, and he has been on fire to start the season. And so I'm curious how his shot selection in terms of mid-range jumpers will go in terms of when you face a team like KU, who has an Ochai Bosch, or you know, teams like Baylor, and a lot of these better defenders that you'll face in the Big 12 when you're not going up against Southeast Louisiana State or Alabama State or some of these really bad teams that Iowa State's gone up against. So I think that... 
Iowa State is probably a, a top half of the Big 12 team. Just their defense is insane, and um, they've really made that a calling card with T.J. Altsoberger and, and the coaching staff there. So I think it should be a question of how the offense goes. They've shot the three ball pretty well, but someone like Gabe Kalsher, a Minnesota transfer, has not shot the ball very well at all. And I think Iowa State will need him to shoot the ball better for them to just get enough offense, I think, to get up to, you know, I think for them it will be a race to 60, 65 points, and I think they might even struggle to do that against some of the Big 12 defenses. All right, and uh, that'll be, I'm sure, fun for you when KU plays Iowa State. That you'll uh, kind of the two worlds will collide there, uh, Michael. Before we let you go, we we do a segment here with my producer and co-host Adam Dravetta called "One Last Thing with Adam." So, Adam, go ahead and take it away. All right, Michael. One last thing: if you were a robot, would you want your creator to inform you of that fact? <laughs> no, I would want to be ignorant. Mm. Let me live my life. Okay, we can't tell Don't him, Adam. We can't tell. No. All right, well then, never mind. Then. <laughs> oh, dang it. <laughs> You would want to be ignorant. That, that's like the same question as uh, would you want to know when you're going to die? Yeah. I mean, just to like a yeah. lesser extreme. I would not. I'll put that no. on record. You know, mm-hmm. have it random. I, I agree with you, Michael. I would not want to be told of that. No, there's no. What's the fun in that? They just should be worried about, oh, what am I going to run out of bat or anything like that? Just live your life. Yeah, and and happens, you would you'd question all the feelings you'd ever had. Were they pre programmed? I, yeah, I, I like just thinking I'm a human. Exactly. Get away with it. You'll be all right. Exactly. You feel the emotions and everything and not be worried about it. All right. Well, he is Michael Swain. To our knowledge, not a robot here on 24-7 Sports, Fog.net. Michael, thank you so much for the time and uh, look forward to having you on more regularly over uh, the course of the season here. Definitely. That sounds like a plan. Super excited to be back. Awesome. Michael Swain, 24-7 Sports, Fog.net. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening in on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, the KLWN app. Coming up next, at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, we are going to give out Christmas gifts to all the KU basketball players. Christmas gifts that might help them along the way for the rest of the 2021 to 2022 season. Stick around for that coming up at 5.05. This is RCST on KLWN, depending on it. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Last hour of the week for us. We are out early and, uh, well, we're going to head out to our Christmas break. But we'll be back on Monday for a full edition of whatever happens over the weekend here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. As I teased before the break, we're going to do a segment here where we give Christmas presents to all the different KU basketball players. Now, how we set this up is there are 14 scholarship players for KU. But it's a little tougher to give, you know, Christmas present to Kyle Cuff and, and Cam Martin. They're not playing. What are we going to give them, right? That, I don't know. Same thing. Like, wait till next year. Um, we'll double down on Christmas Christmas presents for them next year, I guess. So, we divvied up the 12 active scholarship players. Adam took six. I took six. And we're going to give each of them Christmas presents. So, we will go back and forth in giving out the Christmas presents to... All these different people, and uh, with that being said, we will go ahead and get the music started here. Um, anyway, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Um, I will. Uh, I'll go ahead and go first. Um, we. Uh... Ah, there it is. 
little peek behind the curtain. We were struggling to find which button hit that. Uh, sorry about that. Anyway, so Merry Christmas. Great music choice, mm. by the way. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go first. Uh, the very first thing I'm going to get or going to give out, I should say, um, Remy Martin. Uh, this uh, popped into my head for uh, the during the game uh, at Stephen against Stephen F. Austin, and I also noticed it against Missouri as well. I'm going to get Remy a noise machine because Remy loves a noise machine <laughs> because Remy loves when the crowd. He's, okay. He he Yudoka used to do this a lot too, mm-hmm. where he'd he'd have his ear up to the crowd and then he'd he'd wave him in, you know, like move, you know, do the waving in motion to give me more noise, give me more noise. Remy did that. He does that a lot. I think he loves when the noise gets going. Uh, he loves that, you know, fans getting pumped up. I think he loves that. Um, I like that. Do you think he sleeps better with the noise? I don't on know. That one could of those be. people. But yeah, so he's so I'm getting Remy a noise machine because he seems to really enjoy it. Okay, I like that. So my first one that I'm going to be giving out for is David McCormick, and the in the movie Happy Gilmore, David McCormick needs this guy. I forget his name. He, he says it in here. It's played by Kevin Nealon. Kevin Nealon, Who's yeah. the actor. And he's this like zen guy who Happy Gilmore plays golf with. And with David McCormick, he has all the talent in the world, but sometimes just needs to calm down, right? Don't need to play like a, a bull in the, the china shop. So this is the guy. I am, I'm not giving him a guy. I can't give him a person. Give that's, him a, a, that's wrong. A, a, I'm giving a, him an NFT yeah. of this clip right here from Happy Gilmore. Gary Potter, great to have you on the tour, Happy. I feel a lot of solid energy coming out of you. Good, positive aura. Great, great. It's all great. Yeah, man, nice to meet you, man. Is it always like this with the uh, TV cameras and the, and the people and stuff? Oh, yeah, a lot of pressure. You got to rise above it. Mm-hmm. You got to harness in the good energy, block out the bad. Harness, energy, block, bad. Uh-huh. Feel the flow, Happy. Feel it. It's circular. It's like a carousel. You pay the quarter, you get on the horse. It goes up and down. And around, circular, circle, with the music, the flow, all good things. <laughs> That's the club we're happy to go more at the end. He goes, psycho. Psycho. And then Kevin Nealon calls him a psycho right back. Yes, after he later. explodes on the tee box. Yeah. But that is the NFT I'm giving David McCormick. Just uh, harness out the bad, whatever he said. Block the bad, harness the good. So a, a six-month uh, session with that guy. Yeah. Um, next up for me, uh, Mitch Lightfoot. I'm getting him mm. a really nice frame for his uh doctorate degree ah uh, he's been at ku for 800 years yeah something like that so he's got to have a phd by now in something see i feel so, like i feel like mitch lightfoot whoever got him between both of us it was just going to be low-hanging fruit like we knew yeah, where we were going yeah exactly um so yeah i uh getting him a okay. nice a nice like that. frame for his phd man frames are expensive so that's a very nice gift and that is very thoughtful of you to get that uh my next one is ochag baji for ochai I am going to get him concert tickets to a Curtis Mayfield covered band. Now, Curtis Mayfield has passed away, unfortunately, um, but he sang this song. We just keep on keeping on. We just keep on keeping on. That's the song he sang. Keep on keeping on for Ochai. I'm getting him concert tickets to a cover band of Curtis Mayfield so that he knows just just keep on keeping on. Do Curtis what you're Mayfield doing. Nothing from, wrong. from Iola, Kansas, by the way. Oh, really? Okay. No, made that up. Oh, no idea say, where that guy's from. I played from. that song before the show, and you were like, what is this? Yeah. So I was so. going to be shocked if you knew like a weird fun fact. But anyway. No, no idea where Who's your from. next guy? Jalen Wilson. Mm. Going to give him some time. 
Mm. Not time to relax. Like not time to just no, no, no. T I M E. Good question though. Mm-hmm. But uh, because as time goes on, he's getting better. Mm. I'm going to give him more time to continue to get better. Uh, you could also uh, give him some courtesy. He- Ochai could take him to that concert because keep on keeping on is good for him too because he's not playing as well as Ochai, but he keeps improving. Okay. So, I like but I'm going to go with a little bit of time. For I would Jaylen. like to amend your gift to a bottle of wine. Because I would be it gets pissed. better with age. I think you should do this as a as a now that you said this, you should somebody that you're getting a gift for your parents or a friend whoever, you should give them nothing. Give them like a box that has nothing in it, and when they're like, "What? What is this?" You just I gave you time. Well, all right, you're giving somebody tickets to see a dead guy. <laughs> well, so no, the cover band. Okay. Just, okay. Um. Well, my next one will be Jalen Coleman Lance. Now, I could go the same route as this is an old, 25 years old. This is fourth school, seventh year of college. But what I'm going to get Jalen Coleman Lance is a motivational sign or a motivational poster. You know the ones you would see when you're in, like, grade school? With the cat the from teachers hanging have. from the tree that says hang in there? Well, that would be an example of one, yes. Those are just, like, the ones where they have, like, one word on them. And it's, like, a picture of, like, some guy, like, like a dude on climbing a, cliff, a mountain or yeah. something. Yeah. Like, just one of those. Perseverance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just like a motivational sign or poster because I think everything is actually going to plan on what, like, once Ochagbaji came back, Jalen Coleman Lands was initially almost Ochagbaji insurance in case he went to the pros. But because Ochag came back, there's not much more that Jalen Coleman Lands can do. Just come in the game, hit threes. You're doing that. You're shooting over 40% from threes. It is unfortunate you're not getting consistent time. But just stick with it. There's going to be certain games, certain matchups that favor you. Just a motivational signer poster to just be like, you know, you're doing your thing. Keep it up. Perseverance, like you said. My next guy is Joe Yesifu. Um, I'm going to get him the shoes that he had on at Drake last year mm. uh, because last year in Indiana Polis, he had an amazing dunk. And apparently the rims are a bit higher in an Allen Fieldhouse because he got stuffed by a rim against Missouri. That was bad. What was about the only bad moment KU had all day. That was one of those moments where when he took off for the dunk, he's like, oh, this is going to be so cool. And, and then, then yeah. huh, it's 12 feet. Well, Interesting. May- maybe this is like, uh, you know, that movie Like Mike, where he puts on Michael Jordan's old yeah, shoes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe that's the key. We need to, toss, we need to toss his shoes over some telephone yeah. wires and electrocute him. Exactly. Could you imagine that, too? Like, you give some guy a gift, and he's like, I already had these shoes. Why are you re-gifting No, no. <laughs> yeah. And why are they all burnt? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going to go uh, to Bobby Pettiford. I'm going to go back to the time angle, but I'm getting him a time machine. Um, I don't know how we found one, how we found one for sale, but we did, and we're going to gift it to Bobby Pettiford. No, we're not going to tell Bobby Pettiford you can go back in time and change things or or go back and visit a, a old historic figure. No, we're telling Bobby Pettiford to use the time machine. He can only use it to fast forward in time to him being healthy. That's the only thing he can use it for because... He almost so it's a time machine to, to a particular date. Yes, we preset it. Yes, exactly. And and he almost needs it to happen right now. Just like transport everything that's happened just to the future because nobody has overtaken or nobody has like claimed to say, hey, I deserve a big shot in the rotation. Now Bobby Pettiford, when he comes back, is going to lose minutes. Nobody has taken that yet. So Bobby Pettiford just needs to get to the point when he's healthy because everything so far with him out has almost gone according to plan for him in terms of being able to still have that big rotation spot, play 15 minutes a game like he was doing when he comes back. 
Well, and it's a good thing he can only go forward a little bit because as we learn in the H.G. Wells novel, The Time Machine, if you go too far forward, you're going to run into flesh-eating Morlocks. Mm. And nobody wants that. I would take Bobby Pettiford over the flesh-eating eating Morlocks. Those good, bad, bad guys. Just yeah. say bad guys. Bad guys. Um, all right, bad I'm guy. moving on to Christian Brown. I'm going to go to our friends from CBD Lawrence mm. and get him some CBD gummies. Not for the games. Mm-hmm. I love his intensity during games. But because of the way he is during games, I get Wait, who is this for? Christian Brown. Oh, I thought you said David Lawrence. I don't know why you said I said CBD in Lawrence. CBD oh, Lawrence. Okay. Uh, I hope I, I didn't very say David Lawrence. There. No, no, Christian Brown. Uh, some 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 gifts from our friends at CBD Lawrence because he he's very intense during games, which I love. Mm-hmm. But I get the feeling that that intensity follows him to other places <laughs> in life, like maybe when he's shooting pool with his mm-hmm. buddies or playing video games. Yeah, he's like at the bar. And he's just like mean mugging somebody or, who got or, yeah, in or front just, of him in line. Maybe not that so much as just during any other elements of competition, like just tossing darts at the at the bar. I think he's still that intense, so mm-hmm. a little bit of CBD just to calm him yeah. when he's not playing ball. Oh, I like that. That's a good one. Okay, uh, Zach Clements is my next one, the stretch five. I am getting him a book that I am forcing Amari Spellman to write. Amari Spellman, the former Villanova big man, I think he was a first-round pick, either late first or early second-round pick. He was the uh, a great stretch five on that Villanova national title team. And if you remember, he was not just a stretch five, he was also super strong. He was a big guy, so... We want Amari Spellman to write a book about his diet, his workout regime. Get it to Zach Clements because Zach Clements has the the shooting part of the stretch five. Just needs to get a little stronger. Just needs to be a little better at boxing out, getting rebounds, playing defense down low, getting the core strength up. So a book of the biography of Amari Spellman. That's what I'm getting Zach Clements. All right, I'm moving on now to Dewan Harris. And I'm also going to make somebody uh, not write a book but make a video I'm going to have Marcus Garrett make a training video uh, for defense. Not because I think Dwan Harris is bad. It's because I think he's exceptional. And I think he is an athlete who can be a fantastic Marcus Garrett-esque defender. And so what I want is I would like Marcus Garrett to make a a video with some uh, training tips uh, and and different um, techniques on his defensive style because I think Dwan Harris has the athletic ability to be that good Mm as a defensive player, truly one of the all-time greats in, in, under Bill Self as a defender um, if he follows the Marcus Garrett regime. So I, I want him to get that, not because I don't think he's good, but because I think he's fantastic. All right, my last one is K.J. Adams. Um, this goes back in the thing with time, but I, I thought of like a, a literary metaphorical way to say it. I'm going to get K.J. Adams a bunch of watches, a bunch of Rolexes and you know Apple watches, whatever watch he wants, a bunch of them, because this guy just needs more minutes. And you got to figure out a way to do that. And Yosef just said he's one of the best defenders on the team. Well, just needs more minutes. Just needs to prove himself. So KJ Adams, you a, lot a bunch of, of lot of time gifts going on. I know, on. right? It just makes sense with the minutes and everything. But yeah, that is our uh, Christmas gifts. Merry Christmas, everyone, and a happy new year. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Coming up next, our worst Christmas treats. That on the other side. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta, Derek Johnson 
on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Less than an hour till we're done for the week, and it'll be Christmas coming up in two days. It's the holiday time of year, which is, you know, a terrible time if you're trying to go on a diet because there's always, you know, all these great treats and foods just sitting around the house, and they're just easy snackable items. We did the best Christmas treats earlier in the 3 o'clock hour. If you missed it, you'll have to check it out on our Best of RCST podcast. But you know what? Why don't we end on a downer? Why don't we end on uh, the it top is Festivus, worst? so you you air the grievances on Festivus. Perfect. That perfect. The Festivus for the rest of us, and now we are going to do our top ten worst Christmas treats. So these can be, you know, as we were discussing earlier, they can be like desserts, they can be, you know, snackable items, but they're treats. They're not like, you know, I'm not going to go get, eat a bag of chips, right? And and they have to be. At least holiday themed. And and there's a challenge here because not everybody eats the same Christmas treats, right? And, and everybody has different things. Everybody might have their own spin on things. Some people might have never had some things on this list. I've never had some things on this list. Uh, some people have had other things that I've never heard of. That's just part of Christmas treats. But we'll go ahead and get started with number 10 on the list. Number 10. The 10th worst Christmas treat. Gingerbread houses. Houses, specifically. Yeah, um, I'll say this. When I was in the fifth grade, we made uh, we we had this kind of fun little thing where we had to buddy up with... Um, uh, I was in fifth grade, and you buddied up with like a third or second grader or something. It's kind of a role model sort of thing. And we made these Christmas uh, gingerbread houses that were actually not bad because we used graham crackers and icing. I personally am not the biggest fan of gingerbread in general yeah but gingerbread houses um are and you actually talked about in the best of how much you love the gingerbread mm-hmm. men and i mentioned i'm not a yes. big fan but i don't know i, I those were i thought were good because they didn't involve gingerbread um but uh i don't know that was fun but in general the may you know those are about more the experience of making them than eating them because yeah they're, they're tough to eat that's the problem and, and they're sitting out the whole time yeah and they just get stale, they get hard, they're not as good. And also, there's a part of this, too. It's not even necessarily the flavor. Uh, like, you don't want to destroy a beautiful work of art. And you put yeah. all this time and effort into putting together a gingerbread house and, and it, getting all the icing and everything. And then finally, you have it all put together. You don't want to tear it down. You, you need you to make to a rule, I'll say. If the person who makes it has to be the first to take a piece from it, that should be yeah. the rule. Yeah. Like that. Because it's their project. Number nine. The ninth worst Christmas treat, candy canes. Um, I actually like a lot of mint-flavored things. I like mint chip ice cream. I like, I don't know, gum. Um, He just is drinking mouthwash right now. Well, it's just like, what are we doing here? You know, there's so many better Christmas treats. I think this is more, like, I actually don't mind candy canes, but it's like, if you're ranking candy canes against every other Christmas treat, it's going to be on the lower end of the list. It's just not as enjoyable as the other ones. Now, if you're talking about the candy canes that have, like, the, the specific flavors, like, you can get, oh, a grape candy cane or whatever, like, okay. You can get that's some, cheating. F- some funny flavor ones, too, that's like cheating, pickle flavored and gross. No, that would be on the gross list. Um, but just the basic candy cane, you know, nobody's going to a store and being like, when they see all the different Christmas treats or when they go to somebody's house and there's all these cookies and, and different uh, enjoyable things, and they're like, oh, let me grab the candy cane. That's what I want. So I was one of four. You didn't experience growing up a bunch of siblings. And when you have a bunch of siblings, what you do is you lick the candy cane till it's really sharp and you poke each other. That's not nice. 
Another reason Number for it to be on the worst. Eight. Number eight, sugar plums. Have you ever had a sugar plum? Never had them. Okay, but you you were aware I've heard of these, them in are, that right? Poem yeah, yeah. Not exactly. before Christmas. Exactly. Talking about sugar plums. Well, sugar plums are actually ground dried fruits, nuts with spices rolled in coarse sugar. Gross. So it's basically like dried fruit with sugar on it. Yeah, it didn't sound good. I mean, I can I, even I, if you're. I don't need to try it to know it should no, be on the worst. Even even if you're in. Uh, the camp that you like dried fruits, which a lot of people do. Come on. We don't need that as a Christmas treat. Number seven. The regular popcorn in the popcorn tub. We did the best of, and, and the best treats I mentioned, and, and you didn't like this because you didn't like caramel corn. Correct. But um, the flavored popcorn that you can get is great. But the one column that never gets eaten is the regular popcorn. The caramel one will be down. The cheese one will be down. Or if you get the, the cinnamon one, it'll be down. The regular one is the last one taken because regular popcorn is delicious, right? If it's hot. Yes, regular popcorn is delicious. You have butter, you have salt, it's warm, all that stuff. The problem is in these tin things that regular popcorn is not buttery. It is not salty. And it's, it's like chewy. There. It's consistency yeah, is like, like chewy. Yeah, it's, it's disgusting. Weird. So uh, the regular popcorn in the popcorn tins does not hold up to the rest of what's in the tin. Number six. Sixth worst Christmas treat, eggnog. Controversial. A lot of people love I eggnog. I love eggnog. Yeah, see? I love eggnog. I'll, I'll say this. I've had, I've had um, as a kid, I had the non-boozy eggnog, and then as an adult, I've had the boozy eggnog. I love it all, man. I love eggnog. I just, okay, I, I don't like milk. Um, well, yeah, then that'll do it. So that's probably a killer there. But, you know, I love Ice cream. I what about a white, a white Russian? Have you ever had a white Russian? Yeah, and I wasn't a fan. Okay, then, yeah, that yeah. stands. I mean, that all stands up it's as just, long as you're consistent. I don't know. I just don't like the consistency. In prepping it. for the show, you mentioned you don't care for rum chata for, for yes. the same reason. Yeah. So, I, you know, if it's look, I, I'm a big, as much as taste matters, mm -hmm. I believe very much that um, texture matters almost as much, if not more, than taste when enjoying something. So if the, if the texture's not right, you're not going to like it. Yeah. It's like that's the, that's the first test um, because, yeah, that's just the first thing that you feel when it goes in your mouth. That sounded really weird. All right, number five. Number five. Mince pie. Have you ever heard of mince pie? Um, I, had a, I had a British grandmother. So also yes, known I, as mince I, meat. Yeah, right? I, I know all about mince meat pie. Have you ever had it? Yeah. Good? Bad? Uh, no, I didn't like it. She made okay, these good. incredible little tarts. Uh, they're apple tarts that mm -hmm. were basically mini apple pies, and they were amazing. But she also made mini mincemeat pies, and I hated those. Okay, that makes me feel good, because I've never had it. But just in, like, looking up holiday desserts, looking how people felt, um, looking what's in it, I thought this looked like one of the worst. Mincemeat pie, this is uh, what goes in the filling, at least a standard one. Again, everybody has their own variation of things. In a medium bowl, combine the beef suet. I don't know what that is, but it's some sort of beef. Currants, rump steak, raisins, brown sugar, brandy, candied citrus peels, lemon juice and zest, nutmeg and apples. What is this? Yeah, it's it you let me tell you the worst is when you bite into thinking you're getting an oh. apple tart and it's a mini mince oh, meat pie. No. <laughs> that's tough. That's just like that's literally like, hey, everything that's in the fridge, you know, when you do that for Thanksgiving, it's like, oh, we have all these Thanksgiving leftovers, put it on a sandwich, it'll be great. They took that too far. They were like, it's December, well, it worked in Thanksgiving. Why not just take everything in the fridge for Christmas and put it in like a pie? Well, let me tell you, in the, in the British society uh, in Belleville, Illinois, my grandma Drovetta, a.k.a. Grandma Duda, her minced meat pies were very, very popular, but I never enjoyed them. I mean, that should be the first telltale sign. Uh, you know, no offense if you're British or anything, but like, 
you're not known for your culinary. You know, I, I don't want to be mean. It's holiday spirit, but you know, number you know, four. you know deep down. Uh, number four, figgy pudding. Another one from Never a. Had uh, I haven't either, but it's in uh, the song. We wish you a yeah, merry so Christmas. Bring us some yeah. figgy pudding. And by the way, what is up with that lady? She's so demanding. Have you ever listened or like seen the actual lyrics? Yeah, yeah, she's she goes, mean. Now bring us some yeah. figgy pudding. Like bring imagine, it right here. Imagine if you were the host of the Christmas party and this lady walks in. Now bring me some figgy pudding. Or if she's the host and she has a lot of like she's she's rich. She's she's that's an <laughs> ultimate. That's a song for a Karen right there. Bring me the figgy pudding and bring it right here. But anyway, besides all that, I've never had figgy pudding either. This is another one that looks gross. It is a British um, cuisine. I don't like figs, though, so that'll I'm do not it. a big fig fan either. Um, basically, this is kind of a dessert, and traditionally it was made with raw beef or mutton fat, eggs, brown sugar, breadcrumbs, spices, dried fruits, and brandy. That does not sound appetizing. And if you look up a picture of figgy pudding, it will look even worse than I just described it. For like, that alone, I like for the brandy. Texture, though. yeah. Why would you ruin brandy by mixing it with all that stuff? Yeah, just save everything else. Just drink the brandy straight. Number three, third worst Christmas treat, just Jello molds in general, like cranberry salad or like uh, a Jello mold with weird stuff in it. You like this? The, okay, so back to back to my grandma Duda. She made a dessert. And she actually did it really well. It, it kind of it was it was Jello in the middle. It wasn't a full on Jello mold. I get what you're saying yeah. with the weird pieces in it. I mm -hmm. agree completely. But the way she made it, it was great because it was Jello with this kind of this this whipped cream mixture thing on top, and beneath it was like this crust that was made of crushed pretzels. This sounds more like a trifle, and in a manner of speaking, but no lady fingers. Okay. Um. But yeah. So it had. So it kind of had that weird, you're like, eh, pretzels and jello, I don't know. It, it was really well done. When you go back to the texture thing, the texture there was was well done. But no, I get what you mean, where you're, you're just, just chunks. There's like chunks of like cranberries yeah, yeah, and then like weird. nuts in there. And it's like, I get what it. are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? Who thought of that? Number two. Second worst Christmas treat, fruitcake. Specifically. Speaking of, speaking of something with weird chunks of crap in it. Yes. And specifically, the Claxton fruitcake. Look this up don't if you know. don't know what it is. I'm doing that right now. Because it is the, I think it's the, you know, some people. with an X or. See, this is one of those where you could convince me that somebody could make me a good fruitcake. And I would be like, okay, you actually did that well. Because I like carrot cake. and Maybe it'd be kind of similar to that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've seen that. Yeah. Okay. The Claxton one looks like the equivalent of if Spam, the creators of Spam tried to make a fruitcake. Yeah. What it looks like basically is you got the, the, the cake part. With some almonds, with some like chunky almonds, and then not even fruit. It looks more like like fruit yes. gummies in there. No, it, it looks like if you combine an oatmeal bar with raisins, pieces of corn, and vomit, and bake the oh cake. Goodness, out of it. I think that looks so disgusting. Have Look you up. ever tried? Not 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 necessarily that one, but any fruit cake. No, I have. I don't not. like fruit cake. It just, it's it's grody. Sounds and looks disgusting. Yeah. All right, worst one. Number one. The number one worst Christmas treat is. Ambrosia. Ambrosia, you might be wondering, what is that? Well, yeah, well, why don't you tell the people? I certainly know what, what it is. So you tell the people because I'm definitely yeah. not Googling it right now. Cream, sour cream, mini marshmallows, grated oh. coconut, pineapple, clementines. 
pecans and maraschino cherries all mixed together. I've always thought this looks gross. I never knew what it was called. You know where I've seen this a lot at? You see it at like the store sometimes in the deli area. Well, I've seen it a lot at uh, funeral potlucks. Oh, yeah, potlucks. It's big, which... I don't know if anybody's ever seen somebody drop the the ambrosia on the plate. I think it just arrives there somehow. I think it just magically pops up. You're having a potluck. It's like, oh, it's here, but then nobody eats it. Ah, that could be. That thing looks disgusting. Does it not? I, I, I've never, I, I never knew what it was called. Like I said, I just saw it a lot of funeral and church potlucks. But, at, yeah, I've never thought it looked Who appetizing. Who decided to mix sour cream with grated coconut, pineapple, clementines, pecans, maraschino cherries, and if that wasn't enough, mini marshmallows are good on their own or in hot chocolate or whatever. But they were like, you know what? Our texture isn't weird enough. What if we added another weird Dawson, texture some, with all, all this? Some mini, mini monobalos. So disgusting. Anyway, those are the top 10 worst Christmas treats. Let me know if I forgot anything. Bah humbug. You can uh, hit us up on Twitter at RCST1320. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta, Derek Johnson. On FM 1017 at 1320 KLWN, depend on it.